Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this joint service of Denny Baptist Church and Hillhead Baptist Church in Glasgow. We welcome one another as children of a loving God. And as always, we want to give a very special welcome to members of our family and friends who are joining us from all across the country and around the world. And I see that George is with us this morning. George, are you in Hungary still? Yes, no, you're back in Scotland. Brilliant. I'm glad to see that you're safely returned um, and back with us again in Glasgow. Our worship this morning will be led by the Reverend Katrina Gorton from Hillhead and our preacher will be the Reverend Alan Donaldson from Denny. You'll also hear the voices of other folk from our churches, Emma, Beth and Ruth. And our musicians this morning are Paul, Leo, Neil, Freya and Sarah. And we'll be singing along with our mics muted uh, to the recording of the music. In a moment or two, Emma will be lighting a candle to mark our transition into the service proper. And we're all invited to light a candle where we are at the same time, if we'd like to do that. Uh, so it's only if you would like to do that as a symbol of our move into worship. We'll also be sharing communion together uh, later on in the service, so please have something ready to eat and drink for that. Uh, don't worry if you've forgotten, there's still plenty of time to get something before we get to that point in the service. Then at the end of the service, we're all invited to join a breakout room just to have a chat with three or four other households. Uh, we're just randomly assigned to these rooms, so it's quite nice. It means you don't know who you're going to find there. And if you don't know them, you get a chance to get to know them. And if you know them really well, you can catch up with them. So please do stay if you can. All you have to do is click join. But if you don't have time to stay, don't worry about that. All you do is click leave. Uh, but we'll hope that most of us will stay around for that. Then two specific notices for the Denny folk. Two reminders, really. The first is a reminder of the prayer walk this Tuesday, the 6th of July. Please meet at the church building at 7.30pm for the prayer walk. But remember to book in on the church website first. And secondly, <clears throat> just a wee notice to say that bookings are now open for next Sunday's in-person worship in the Denny Church building. So again, if you're hoping to come to that in-person service next Sunday, please remember to book in for that. Two quick Hillhead specific notices. Um, just some good news about Ali Elham and the children. They are now recovering from COVID. The children are doing very well, but Ali and Elham um, are still getting better. So please remember them still in your prayers. And next Sunday morning, Katrina will lead our worship at 11 a.m. But remember, there are no evening services during July. Uh, so just a wee reminder that this evening, if you're missing the evening service, the Baptist Union of Scotland live prayer event is at 7 p.m. on Zoom, uh, on Zoom for July and August. And you can just log into that through the Baptist Union website. Sorry about all the long notices. Uh, I'll just hand over now to Emma to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. Let us glimpse Christ's light this day. Christ is the light that lights our way. Let us glimpse Christ's light this day. Christ is the light that lights our way. Let us glimpse Christ's light this day. 
So having sung God's praises, let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray. God of grace, mercy and love. As we gather together across the country and around the globe, it is our desire to worship you in all we say, all we do and all we are. We thank you for the gift of this new day, for the beauty of the natural world that surrounds us, for the everyday basics of shelter, clothes, food and water. We thank you for the freedom to meet together, for the technology that connects us to each other, for the privilege of listening for your voice in words and music, and for the mystery of connecting as we share in communion. As we think back over the past week, we thank you for moments of joy and flourishing when we felt truly alive, when we laughed out loud, when we knew ourselves to be loved. And we acknowledge before you the moments of sadness or regret, when we hurt or were hurt by others, were unkind or selfish, when we were less than we would like to be, or when we failed to love. Thank you that you forgive us, refresh and renew us. Thank you that your love is not conditional on our faith or our actions, but is totally a gift of grace. Knowing ourselves loved, grateful for your grace, forgiven for our faults, freed to live life to the full, we worship and adore you, creator, redeemer and sustainer of all. Amen. And we continue in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The power and the glory, now and forever. Amen.
first reading is from Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when people dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron and running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Our second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need, The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Amen.
Good morning, everyone, and thank you for the warm welcome to this shared service. I wonder if you're any good at asking for help when you're trying to find somewhere or, or something. How long does it take before you ask someone to help you? If something breaks in your house, do you first go online to search for a solution? Or do you think, I know a neighbour who could help me with this and go running next door for their support? Just the other day, we had a neighbour come by and ask for the quintessential cup of sugar. It's years since I've been asked for one, but she asked just last week and we were glad to supply from the back of the cupboard. Uh, we offered to help the neighbours who live in the boat next to our boat the other day with uh, a sewing machine task. They were sewing up some curtains and they had never used a sewing machine before. We said, we, we'll show you how to work one. And they said, no, no, it's okay, we'll, we'll get there. And we offered a second time, we, we can come by and just show you how to work it. We won't do it for you, but we'll show you. No, it's all right, we'll be okay. At the third offering and, and several weeks later, they eventually said, I wonder if you would come in and show us how to work the sewing machine. Uh, not many people are very good at asking for help. We, we, we have an independent spirit built within us and we'd rather sort out our problems, whether large or small, privately. Our default position is to be self-sufficient, independent and capable. However, it may be a sign of greater maturity and wisdom to have cultivated a sense of appropriate dependency. By asking for help from my neighbour when I fell off the boat into the canal, I gained greater understanding of my predicament. He had skills and knowledge as to how to get out of a marina with no ladders that I depended on. And not only that, we deepened our relationship through me calling for his help. And the deepening of relationships is, of course, a key benefit for all those who reach out their hand for help from others. I want to argue this morning that our Baptist church default to independence is actually one of our greatest weaknesses. And it is a sign of great maturity in a Baptist church and part of our DNA to actually look to support one another and be supported by one another. Baptists, by their DNA, are not independent. They are interdependent. If we were to, to give a name to an annual Baptist day, it would be called Interdependence Day. Right at the heart of who we are as Baptists is the belief that although respecting one another's right to independent decision-making, we work better when we listen to one another. We would be wiser listening to one another. We should ask for help from one another from time to time when there's a dispute in our fellowship, when we're grappling with tough issues, when we're seeking direction and when we're in need. You know, strangely, we regularly do this in our churches. But when I say regularly, I just mean those regular times when we become vacant and we turn to a local minister or a local church elsewhere to help us out for a few months and, or years sometimes until that vacancy is filled. But let me set the scene for this passage that's been read for us this morning from 2 Corinthians 8. In the early church, there were many tensions. 
One of the tensions that I'm sure you're all aware of was the Jew-Gentile question. Could Gentiles become Christians without taking on all the Jewish trappings? Did the men converting to Christianity have to get circumcised? Did the families have to stop eating pork? Did they need to change what they did on a Sabbath? In Jerusalem, a council meeting was convened, and after hearing all the evidence, the church leaders decided that Gentiles could come to faith, and they didn't need to take on all the Jewish trappings. It was a hard pill to swallow for the Jerusalem church. They agreed to it, but history showed us that they struggled with it and continued to struggle for quite some time. At the end of the council, Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the church and sent as missionaries to the Gentiles. With the blessing of the the Jerusalem church, a few friends to accompany them on their way and a letter to explain the decision of the council. But there was a caveat to their sending. We don't read it in the story in Acts, but we come across it in the book of Galatians. And this is what they are told to do. As they go, they are told to remember the poor in Jerusalem. In other words, go do your exciting new mission work, but don't forget the needs of the church that is sending sending you. The Gentiles owe a spiritual debt to the church in Jerusalem. And quite frankly, the Jerusalem church needed repaid in cash because they're in desperate, desperate need. Paul, a wise leader, knows that financial giving will no doubt help to oil the tension of strained relationships between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And so he begins this collection for the church in Jerusalem. And the various churches that he knows and has been part of begin to collect money together to give away on the basis of Paul's equal opportunities policy that if we all share, all should have enough. Well, that's the background to 2 Corinthians 8. What we see here in this background is the openness of the Jerusalem church to listen to the voices of the Gentile Christians and indeed to change their beliefs and practices because of that act of listening. They have been willing to hear what others' perspectives were and to change their minds. They've also been willing to ask for help from the other churches for financial support. In summary, these stories tell us that openness to others was a fundamental condition of being a healthy church in the early days of the church. Supportive and cooperative fellowship belong to the right way of being church. Interdependence is seen to be healthier than independence. And you'll note that Paul has resisted the temptation of going alone with the Gentiles, thinking they knew better. He came and spent time convincing the Jerusalem church. And the Jerusalem church resists the temptation of pushing these awkward Gentiles away and saying, we don't want to have this conversation. It's just too difficult to have. But no, they're willing to hold that conversation and to learn from it. The Apostle John picks up a similar theme in the letters to all seven churches in the book of Revelation, where they are told to listen to what the Spirit is saying 
to the churches. In other words, each church is meant to eavesdrop on the other to discover what God is doing elsewhere in order that they might benefit from what they're hearing elsewhere. In this type of thinking, we find something that gives meaning to my understanding of the family that we all belong to, the Baptist Union of Scotland. This passage and its historical context, I think, demonstrates that we have a biblical responsibility for one another, to share where there is need, to receive that which is shared, to be open to receive from the ministry of other leaders and other churches speaking into the life of our local congregation, and of course that imperative to learn from one another. Let's just take a few minutes more to look at the relationships that Paul describes for us in 2 Corinthians 8. Relationships that I believe are key to understanding the relationships that we can have with one another and the other Baptist churches and other churches within Scotland. Firstly, there is a relationship between Paul and the Corinthians, which we might call a translocal or apostolic ministry. The relationship had begun back in Acts 18, we read with church planting, first amongst the Jews, which didn't work out so great, so then amongst the Gentiles, where the church begins to really flourish and grow. He begins this church, establishing it on the teaching of the gospel, but he's not their local minister anymore. He's moved on several years by the time he writes to Corinthians 8. He's church planting, he's away in another place, and yet he writes back to speak to them about the issues that they are facing. And his communication is both encouraging and challenging. In verse 7, we notice that Paul tells them that they excel in everything. What great news to hear. Wouldn't it be brilliant? Somebody speaking about your church says you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. You'd grow 10 feet tall hearing those words. What great encouragement. But he also has words of challenge, words that seek to inspire them to grow in their practice of faith. He calls them to grow in the grace of giving. Notice what he says in verse 8, I do not command you. It's not an authoritarian relationship. It's not forceful. He's not speaking down at them, but he is compelling them to listen to what he has to say. He's compelling them to act upon it. He's got an opinion on how the church has acted. We would expect that of Paul. He states his opinion clearly to them. They started well. They caught the vision for giving but now the initial enthusiasm has gone. And they need to bring that enthusiasm back again in order to finish the earlier commitment. Now, that's a common issue in churches. We all know it and, and see it. People are enthusiastic about a new ministry, about a new activity, about something that's great that's happening. But a year down the line, it can be a struggle to maintain enthusiasm and joy. There's a warning there that's applicable to everyone. But what I want you to know is, these, this voice comes from someone outside of the local church. In fact, I'd want to suggest that in some cases, it's only those who are a little bit detached from the day-to-day -day life of the church that can speak into the church in that way. And it begs the question as local churches, are we open 
to the wider family voices? Or does a false understanding of independence get in our way, stopping us from receiving these voices of generous critique that are vital to the health of our congregations? Well, there's two more relationships that he looks at. He looks at the relationship between the church in Corinth and the church in Jerusalem, a relationship of both giving and receiving. Corinth has benefited in the past from the maturity of the Jerusalem church, from sending some of its best people to visit them in Corinth. There is spiritual health in Corinth, thanks to the Jerusalem connection. But it's now Corinth's time to give. The Jerusalem church are poor. They're in need of financial response to sustain them as a congregation. There's a very simple point here that I don't need to labour, but at times there is a need to give support to other churches, and at times there is a need to receive support from other churches. It, it might be money, but that's only one form of support. The support might be to share some of your staff time with another church to share some of the policies that you have written for your church with another church, to share some of the, the ideas, to share some practical advice, to share physical support. I know the guys in Denny are often found in other churches repairing their floors, redecorating their walls, uh, and working on the buildings of other congregations. However we view this passage, it's clear that a group of churches are together seeking to bring support and comfort to one another. And so we turn to the final relationship, the relationship of the Macedonian church and the Corinthian church. Macedonia was in the north of Greece, Corinth in the south, but these two churches have a relationship through Paul. And it's a relationship where the Macedonian church becomes an example to the Corinthians to follow. One of the biggest challenges I find to living a people who are seeking to be obedient in the same way that I'm seeking to be. And one of the biggest demotivators to service in God's kingdom is thinking that you're the only person who's sacrificing in a particular way. It's not that you want everyone to know how you're sacrificing. It would be just great if you, there was a group where others were making a similar sacrifice that would help keep you faithful to what God has called you to. We need each other's examples to help us stay faithful to the calling of God and to be like him, outrageously generous. What Paul does to help the Corinthians to recover the passionate giving is he holds up two examples for them to follow. The example of Christ, which is just out there and so extreme and so difficult to follow. And then he holds up a day-to-day -day example in the life of the Macedonian church. And the Macedonian church are a church that have nothing. They're quite frankly as poor as church mice. Yet they are pleading to give the little that they have to make sure the poor in Jerusalem are taken care of. And in telling that simple story to the church in Corinth, Paul hopes to restart the giving from that church. It's a reminder that we need to hear one another's stories. We need to hear what God is doing in Hellhead. You need to hear what God is doing in Denny. 
We need to hear what God is doing in Deniston, and we need to hear what God is doing in Hillview. Not to imitate these churches, but to learn from them and to allow their understanding to influence our lives and our circumstances. My plea this morning is that we would seriously consider the theology of the church beyond the local congregation and seek to practice interdependence rather than independence. Firstly, by remembering that there is a church beyond the local congregation that you belong to. It has a voice to bring you encouragement, caution, and challenge. We must stay open to hearing that voice, for it will strengthen us. Secondly, by realizing that there are churches in need beyond our own congregations. There is a reminder here to stay generous to them. It's an expression of God's generous grace to us. And thirdly and finally, by encouraging you to keep considering how we can learn from other churches through their good example and through their faithfulness in Christian service. Amen.
thank you so much, Alan, for giving me certainly much food for thought. Let's come to God now in prayer for others and for each other. Let's pray. We pray for our world, a beautiful planet which is home to all your beloved creatures. Scripture reminds us that you have entrusted the earth to humankind, desiring the flourishing of all life. As we check the news, we are reminded of the ways that we are interdependent with all of creation, animal, vegetable and mineral. We pray for all involved in the COVAX programme, seeking to ensure that people in the poorest countries and the most remote and marginalised communities have access to life-saving vaccines. We realise that the same inequity applies to all healthcare provision and pray for those who seek to address injustices, bringing hope and a future where otherwise there may be little or none. We pray for all involved in reflecting on and responding to the climate crisis. Again, conscious that it is those with the least power and least access to resources who are most at risk as temperatures rise, oceans are polluted and habitats eroded. We pray that this will not be just fine sounding words, but radical action by nation states, multinational company, corporations seeking to halt this impending catastrophe. May we as individuals do the little we can to be bringers of hope and healing where we are, from reusing and recycling to sharing our resources with the least of God's children. This week, BMS World Mission asks us to think global with a focus on the Baptist World Alliance, which draws together around 47 million people from 241 conventions and unions right around the world. We praise God for the diversity of this worldwide network of people trying to follow Jesus in very different contexts. For the staff of the Alliance who administer and facilitate its work. And especially today, we pray for the BWA Forum for Aid and Development as it seeks to develop a new strategy. We pray with many others that it will be bold in its vision and actions for ensuring that those in crisis are supported in the best way through their local churches. Closer to home and recognising our interdependence, the Baptist Union of Scotland invites us to focus our prayers especially for the congregations in Glenrothes, Gourock and Granton. In each unique context, Gratitude is expressed for the technology that's enabled people to stay connected in recent months, as well as for new faces being welcomed into the life of these churches. And so we pray for them as they seek to serve their local communities, sharing the good news of Jesus and the love of God. We pray specifically for the Reverend Ali Lane, who is called to serve the younger adults of the next generation 
who's working hard to prepare for the Magnitude Youth Festival later this month. As he exercises his gifts and skills, may he find fulfilment and encouragement as he seeks to bless others. We pray for our own congregations, each with unique challenges and opportunities in our own contexts, each seeking to be faithful followers of Jesus, inspired by God's spirit to serve those around us. For Denny, we pray especially for households affected by COVID, those who are infected and those who are self-isolating due to close contact. May those who are unwell be restored to health. Those who are anxious find peace. And any who may feel annoyed or irritated find resolution. Surround them all with your love and give them your peace. We pray for Brian from Denny, who has just had surgery, asking that his recovery is swift and the outcome effective. Surround him and those who love him best with your love and give him your peace. From the Hillhead Prayer Diary, we remember before God, Jeff and Carol, Caris, Fiona and Donnie, Barbara and Ken, Edith F, Esan and Anis, Paul F and Lily. We give thanks for these friends and all they contribute to our life together. Some are able to enjoy the refreshment of a holiday. Some are hard at work. Some have family and friends close by, whilst others are largely alone. Help them to know that you are with them, that your love surrounds them, and give them your peace. And then, in a moment or two of quiet, we bring to God our own private prayers for those we love, the situations that concern us and for ourselves. Strengthen us for service. Surround us with your love and give us your peace. In the name of Christ. Amen. Lord, I share
since the beginning of time, people have shared meals together. Ordinary, everyday meals, essential for health, and significant meals, special meals to rejoice and to remember. Sometimes the ordinary becomes special. Sometimes the familiar takes on a new meaning. Since the church began, people have shared this meal together. The ordinary made special. As the simple, everyday elements of bread and wine remind us of our interconnectedness with all other followers of Jesus and of our interdependence within the body of Christ. Here, in a familiar, simple routine, in words we've heard countless times, we remember and celebrate a profound mystery. For here, we express the truth that we are one in Christ, across the internet, across the miles, and even through time itself, we connect with all those who love Jesus. And it is Jesus who invites us, not the church, not the minister or the deacons. It is Jesus' story we remember, piecing together the memories and creating new ones. It is Jesus whose story we retell, oh. listening to the words we've heard before, hearing again the truth of God's salvation. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, records this. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us pray. God, our creator, we thank you for these simple gifts of bread and wine, produce of the good earth and work of human hands. God, our redeemer, we thank you for these powerful symbols of what we recall your body broken, drawing into your very self all sin and sorrow and defeating the power of death. God, our sustainer, we thank you for the opportunity to be refreshed and renewed. Your body in the places you have set us, bearing good news to a hurting world. As we share this bread and this wine, May we be strengthened for the days ahead. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. When you break bread, remember me. Let us eat together and remember.
Jesus said, This is my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink wine, remember me. Let us drink in gratitude and remember. Lord Jesus Christ, by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. You are the saviour of the world. God, our Father, you have welcomed us home into your kingdom. May your love surround those who find a home in all our churches. Help us to grow together, to encourage one another to share our lives with one another and to love one another as interdependent members of the body of Christ. Amen.
Thank you so much, everybody, for joining with us this morning. Thank you so much, Alan, for the word that you have brought us. And thanks, everybody, for being part of it. In a moment, I will hit the go button on the breakout rooms. But first, a final word of blessing. As our worship ends, our service continues. May we who have met together go into this new week, assured that God is with us always to the very end of time. Amen. Um.